Hello and welcome back to the ILO's Future of Work podcast. I'm Rosalind Yard. This is the programme where we explore key issues in the world of work. And one of those big issues is discrimination, in particular, racial discrimination. It seems we hear the buzzwords diversity and inclusion all the time and the need to create more inclusive labour markets for all. But how does that reflect in workplaces? Is the overt racism of previous eras a thing of the past, or is there still much work to be done to achieve a level playing field in the world of work? The ILO has recently published a book called The Future of Diversity. It explores the biases and stereotypes that lead to discrimination and violence in workplaces and the policies that are needed to address structural inequalities. With me is one of the book's editors, Christiana Kupsch, Senior Specialist in Migration Policy at the ILO. Also with me is Marlian Lopez, Coordinator of the Simone de Beauvoir Institute at Concordia University, Montreal, Canada. Marlian is the co-author of one of the chapters in the book, which explores black women's experiences in feminist workplaces. Christiana, Marlian, welcome. First, Christiana, according to an ILO report, about one in four workers worldwide is discriminated against in the workplace, with racial discrimination being one of the most common forms. How does racial discrimination manifest itself in the workplace? Well, um, I think there are several ways. Um, there are actually three main forms, but we also witness new forms. The three main forms um, are direct discrimination, indirect discrimination and structural discrimination. Direct discrimination is something where you have an intent um, and in many legislations um, you have sort of also a, a prohibited ground. Indirect uh, discrimination takes place when there are harmful effects. It's, it's less visible already. And um, structural discrimination is something where you have rules set up as a system. But since in many countries now we have legislation against um, discrimination that prohibits direct and open discrimination at least, what we witness today is um, many more forms, much more subtle discriminations appearing all of a sudden. Microaggressions are, are one form and um, we will surely discuss that uh, a bit more. Yeah, sure. In fact, I was just about to ask you about that, uh, Marlianne, because in your chapter in this book, The Future of Diversity, you focus on black women in feminist workplaces and also address the issue of violence in the workplace, which includes microaggressions. Can, can you explain, uh, Marlianne, what this actually means? So in the context of black women's experience, we talk about gendered and racial aggressions and how they intersect. So for us, microaggressions are harmful, can be harmful comments or actions that usually usually target minority groups. So in our um, chapter, we address those that target black women. And they are called microaggressions uh, because they are usually normalized in the workplace. They are frequent and repeated, but they're not micro in their impact. They um, have proven to have very harmful impact on black women's uh, in black women's life, mental health, physical health, etc. So, I mean, can you give some examples? I know that in in, the, in your chapter there are quite a few examples. So, yeah, there, uh, um, we interviewed uh, several black women in our research, and a lot of uh, anecdotes came out of experience of 
microaggressions, such as comments about hair, skin, uh, body figure, comments about black men, uh, addressing a black woman as being scary or intimidating. So these are some of uh, some of the examples that came up in our research. Well, that in fact reminds me of um, some in, in several instances in my own um, kind of experiences. Um, and I know that I started a job once um, where I'd come with like 10 years of, of journalism behind me. And um, I kept being asked, you must be a trainee. I, must, I kept being told, you must be a trainee. And I didn't understand what they were what they were talking about. And in fact, I realised later that they were assuming that I'd come on a positive discrimination course. And I think the under, underlying thing was, well, you know, maybe you don't deserve to, 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 to be here. Um, uh, so, I mean, have you done research on the impact of these microaggressions on uh, individuals, Marlianne? And then I'll ask the same question to you, Christiana. So the woman, the black woman that participated in the research, uh, all uh, mentioned how these microaggressions, due to their frequency and the fact that they're normalized and not and rarely addressed, the impacts that they had on mental health, uh, the impacts they had on physical health, and the ways that black women. Um, find strategies to preserve their mental and physical health. And so, yeah, it came up a lot during the research, um, but unfortunately there are limited research, even uh, resources even in the workplace to address these impacts. What about you, Christiana? What yes. have you found? In, in some of the other chapters um, of, of uh, the future of diversity, um, authors also mention um, how minority workers, if I may call them like this now, um, are discouraged and leave the places where they are abused. So this then has a scaring effect on their career. And um, yes, it, it will always keep them down, sort of. And on, of course, that, on the other hand, in turn, has um, uh, an impact on inequalities um, or inequalities in um, the labor market. Because this is the way how to how you perpetuate inequalities. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you, Marlian, you just mentioned about um, strategies, and I know um, something which is, I think has just become ingrained with me is that I meet a new group of people or whatever. I immediately go straight to them. I speak in a very direct manner. I look them in the eye, shake them in the hand, shake their hands, and I always make sure that they know a little bit about my background, which I drop into the conversation, um, just to kind of head them off at the pass, so to, so to speak, so that they don't make assumptions um, about me. Um, because I think that there are quite a few stereotypes um, about um, people of colour in the workplace. Have you maybe, Malian, you can maybe unpick this idea of stereotypes and what we're talking about? Yes, in the context of our chapter, we address stereotypes that affect Black women specifically. So, for example, the stereotype of the angry Black woman. So when uh, a Black woman identifies uh, a microaggression or a racist comment, um, if she addresses it or talks about it, sometimes she is perceived as being aggressive, as being angry. And so um, that really creates a barrier in terms of 
addressing uh, racial harassment in the workplace. And another thing that I would like to bring up is a lot of times in policies around harassment in the workplace, there's nothing on racial harassment. And since it's not considered as being uh, an offense or an aggression, a lot of times racial harassment in the workplace is not addressed. And what happens is uh, um, in the context of the Black women that we um, um, that we interviewed, they would leave the workplace uh, due to what we often identify as burnout, as professional burnout. But the reasons for this burnout are usually uh, centered around racial harassment. So, what, why do you think, um, uh, Christiana, that uh, racial harassment is, doesn't appear to be addressed in the in the workplace? And we you know, we know there are lots of measures where we're talking about gender equality, um, for, for example. It's something we, we talk about a lot, which, of course, is very, very important. But why is it that it seems that there, there isn't so much a focus on uh, racial discrimination or, or aggression? Is it because sometimes it's just really hard to pinpoint? I suppose so. And uh, I think this is linked as well to this new forms of, of uh, racism, if you like. Um, everyone says, you know, I am not a racist. And that's one form of a microaggression already, because usually I'm not a racist because blah, blah, blah. That already introduces a, a racist comment. But many people are not aware of the types of, of um, racist acts that they also commit on a daily basis um, in the workplace and elsewhere. If you take an example, um, uh, let's say I'm... Uh, uh, working in, in, in a, a Hamburg enterprise, for instance, and um, I'm German. Uh, I look German in the sense, uh, sort of talking about stereotypes again. I'm blonde with uh, uh, bright, light eyes. And um, yeah, so um, I'm asking my new black colleague, um, so where do you come from? And she says, I'm coming from Dusseldorf. And um, if I end it there, that might still be okay. But if then I continue, but where you really come from, where your parents do come from, etc., etc. There, I'm I'm really portraying her as a foreigner, as someone other, and I'm really committing a microaggression. And many people do these things, and um, they absolutely not aware that they are doing this yeah because they you know the, the, the underlying message is that you know do you really do you really belong exactly here? and you um, don't if, if i yes. continue asking those questions yes yeah yeah and i should say i mean i'm, I'm sure it, maybe it was the same for um Malian as well certainly when i was growing up in, in in london um that was a question that was always asked me uh, where are you from? And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm from here. Where are you really from? Yeah. So um, I'm <laughs> very familiar um, with that. And you mentioned, you know, you're, you're coming from Germany. And in fact, um, we've seen that there's there's been a report by the European Union Agency for Fundamental Rights. And they revealed that discrimination on the grounds of race or ethnic origin is, is a widespread po- problem in the EU, with more than one in three respondents from an ethnic minority group reporting that they had experienced discrimination when looking for a job or in the workplace. So does this surprise you um, at all? It 
does surprise me in some sense, um, and I find it utterly depressing. It does surprise me because um, we have been in the European Union, um, people have been working on sort of the topic for over 30 years now. The ILO had a first project combating discrimination against migrant and ethnic minority workers in the world of work as from the early 1990s. And um, that was quite interesting as a project because it was sort of um, relying on a methodology of situation testing, practice testing. You had two candidates, a minority majority worker, um, both applying for the same job offer with sort of identical CVs. And um, then let's see what happens. And uh, a large, uh, huge discrimination was documented at the time. And um, I would have thought that in 30 years, we would have made more progress than uh, with the figures that um, you present me here with. Yeah. In fact, I was going to go on to that about, you know, previous generations, because uh, like my parents' generation, racism in the workplace was much more overt. Um, and I remember my, my father, who um, came to the UK or went to the UK in the 1950s and studied for many years, uh, became an architect, worked in a uh, local council, wasn't getting any, um, you know, wasn't getting any uh, promotion at all. He was there for decades. So in the end, he applied to another council. He got the job. Um, and then when he got the job, um, they complained. They said that or, or they supposed that um, he'd got the job because he's black. And they actually launched an inquiry um, into his appointment, um, which meant that he was in limbo for quite a few months um, until they kind of looked at all his background and realised that he came with a lot of, um, you know, a lot of experience. So, you know, that was that was then. But now, um, have you seen, Marlian, do you think that things are actually improving? I know we don't have the same overt type of racism, but do you, you know, in, in your own uh, research. Have you seen any improvements at all? I in in the workplace. So just to comment on the study, I, I'm not surprised at all, and I actually believe that the numbers are probably quite higher. And you know, a lot of folks are dissuaded to report or don't feel safe in disclosing experiences of discrimination. And for me, like we've mentioned, a lot of microaggressions that you know, could be considered as um, not systemic in nature, but it's important to also name systemic force um, forms of racism and how, for example, uh, minority groups and in our case, black women, black uh, populations are um have ac have limited access to positions of leadership, for example, or how, for example, we did a lot of research around the community sector, how most of minority groups, racial minority groups are um, hired in precarious positions or non-permanent position, contractual positions, and how they do not account for uh, or are not represented in leadership uh, positions. And so this is important to find out. There's also systemic forms of racism that are quite pervasive in the workplace and, and how they, you know, how they manifest. So what steps can employers and organisations take to promote diversity? I'll go, I'll go to you first, 
So I'm uh, I'm not really interested in diversity. I'm interested in anti-racism because sprinkling a little bit diversity, that's why I believe we haven't really advanced in our struggle against systemic racism because representativity is not the solution, like the sole solution. There needs to be action. There needs to be social transformation. And when we talk about uh, work and organizations, organizations need to go under transformation because we're talking about systemic forms of racism. And so just not, you know, just hiring one or two um, uh, people of color is not going to address the systemic uh, nature of racism in the workplace. And so for me, it's important to center equity. And, you know, you center equity through programming that addresses the gaps in access, you know, programming that, uh, that uh, promotes uh, representativity in leadership roles, for example, um, and also programming that addresses the inequities in the workplace. Interesting. What do you say um, about that, Christiana? Yes, I, I fully agree. Um, and I would like to highlight that um, some other chapter authors, Marie-Solé Tremblay, Hanen Kremerkem, and Patrice Gelina, they actually promote, um, they propose a few ways to overturn unconscious biases and strategies to, to value differences. They do this in relation to women uh, in their chapter, but um, this also, of course, uh, goes as, a, as tools for for racism i would say um, for instance they very very much highlight that um, decisions are very often not taken as we always say on a rational basis um, as um, standard economic theory would suggest but um, decisions are very often taken distinctive indistinct it's sort of um, with an instinct and um, not so rationally. So, uh, and what you al also have is that um, people tend to hire um, people who look like them and um, who, of whom they think that they are alike. And that, of course, also um, never gives access to uh, pe people of um, a different color. If the majority is white, then um, you have very likely um, uh, white hires. And sort of, and, and um, these authors, they, they try to give um, ideas on how to combat all these unconscious biases that we also have. And in, for example, suggesting that we could have, um, uh, that we could train our brains um, to to positive associations and um, that sort of sometimes mingling opportunities or informing peers about um, how someone in the group um, of a minority um, origin has has done really great things for the enterprise, etc. That those kinds of things um, sort of would help much more than simply putting um, a strategy of uh, you know a few people, as as uh, Malian has said, um, a few people of um, sort of diverse backgrounds um, in the enterprise without letting them also play the role which is in, in line with their education, for instance. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a topic, you know, we've been talking about for, for decades. It's, it's, it's not new. Um, and I'm sure that some of these solutions have been, you know, researched and suggested for, for some time. Um, and I know there have been many, you know, a gazillion reports you know, on racial discrimination in, diff in different work settings, be it the police in schools or, or healthcare. Um, I mean, just ju just wrapping up. Um, I mean, do do you believe 
Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll start with you, Christiana. But do you believe there will ever be real change or will, you know, the research, will the reports, will they just sit gathering dust? Or, I don't want to be pessimistic, but do you see, do, do you imagine that there'll be some change? No, I, I would say that um, I would also not like to be pessimistic and I would like um, to probably hope that um, all new knowledge is not futile. I think people need to be more aware and um, people are not aware of these new forms of racism that have appeared. And um, I also believe believe that there is hope for the future in the sense that we are witnessing, after all, a new generation of people. This generation, I would hope, will link the concept of diversity much more with um, collaborating with people from different horizons and that that's a need, that it's not just an odd thing to do, but a need in something natural. And I see it with younger people. Malian, are you hopeful? Yeah, I'm hopeful, but I'm hopeful in the context of folks that are working, uh, you know, beyond diversity towards equity, because like I stated before, we're talking about systemic forms of discrimination and just by uh, embracing diversity, you know, we're not going to address the systemic forms, the historic forms of discrimination and the barrier, the historic barriers that have affected um, minority groups in the workplace. So while it's is important to value diversity, it is insufficient in my um, in my opinion. There needs to be uh, concrete work towards equity in order for, in the long term, in a sustainable way, minority groups uh, benefit and are able to um, move and flourish, you know, within the, the workplace. Yeah, diversity and inclusion have to go hand in hand. I mean, that's also one of the main messages of the future of diversity. Fully agree with you, Malian, there. Thank you so much, Christiana and Marlian. I think we could go on talking for, for much, much longer, but we're going to have to wrap up there. So thank you so much for joining us today and, and for shedding light on such an important um, issue. And to find out more about this and about broader issues of discrimination in the workplace, you can find links to the book, The Future of Diversity, on the webpage of this podcast and on the ILO website. Until the next time, goodbye. <laughs>